God. Welcome to chapter four, storytellers. It's great to see everyone. I don't know when I have been more excited about a series and really more excited about a weekend than this weekend. God has been up to some incredible things. So we're thrilled about what God is doing. If you're a guest, if you're a first-time guest, let him just one more time. Let me tell you how thrilled that we are that you are with us. Uh, welcome to all nine campuses. This is an incredible weekend across all of Faith Promise. God Behind Bars, we love you guys. We're so thrilled that you're there and you're sharing your story. And God is doing a great work. So way to go, guys. All of our campuses, Farragut, from Farragut to, to Blunt, all the way up to Campbell, God is doing some incredible things. Let me just say I love you guys. Uh, whether you're a first-time guest or you've been here for all 22 years, you're a veteran, uh, promiser, we're thrilled that you're here. And just know that you're prayed for every day, that you are loved, that we are ecstatic, that you're a part of what God is doing. We're so blessed as a congregation. Would y'all agree with that? I mean, we're just blessed that God shows up, God is saving, God is moving, God is, is doing something. I really believe that it is the best time in America to do ministry. Everybody says the good old days and the good old days. These are the good old days, in my opinion. It's a great day to be alive, to do ministry, to be together. And it's a great time to be in East Tennessee. I love East Tennessee, whether the Vols are winning or losing. I, you know, man, come on. And so, but, but I love the hills, the mountains, everything. But there's one issue that's difficult in East Tennessee when it comes to ministry. And that is that it's like every kid that grows up in the South gets inoculated from Jesus. They get a little booster shot. They get, they, get a little, they get a little shot. You know, they went to somebody's vacation Bible school. They went to church a little as a kid. They get to teenage. They drop out. They get married. They're out. They may come back when they have kids or may not. But as you talk to people all around, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. When, well, when did you, when that happen? I, I don't know, but I'm a believer. I remember I, I went to school, I went to church as a kid. And, 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 man, that is just a difficult thing. Jesus said, those that endure to the end, those are the ones who will be saved. And so, man, we, it, it's, it's, it's critical that we get a handle on, am I truly born again? Now, we've been talking about sharing our personal story, and we all have a story. And this weekend, there'll be about eight or 9,000 stories that'll intersect at all of our campuses. It's just unbelievable what God is up to. But the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, literally four separate times with four different groups, shares his faith story. He just, he just puts it out there. He shares his story over and over again. And one of the things that Paul warned about, he didn't call it this, but I would call it the religious spirit that we talk about in the South. As he wrote his second letter to the Corinthian church, in the, in, the, in the conclusion of the letter, he gives a great warning. And again, this warning would be against the southern religious spirit that's all around us. Y'all, have y'all seen it? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Paul says this, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you fail the test? Now, growing up, I failed a lot of tests. Matter of fact, I really thought it was a spiritual gift, personally. I mean, just for me. 
might not have been about you. I saw many, many, many tests that had a big flag waving. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? It's red. The teachers are this big red circle. And, and, but, but, you know, the worst thing that can happen if you fail a test, the worst thing is you fail the grade and you have to do it over. This test, if you fail it, can mean that you will be separated from God forever. Separated from heaven, separated from your family and friends that are born again. This is a test that you simply cannot fail. And again, I've always been just blown away at how cavalier in the South. I'm good. I'm good. You know, church, no. You read your Bible, no. You love God, no. But I'm good. Are y'all with me? I make, I'm, I'm good. You know what? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Now, when we think about when we think about being born again, we're born once into a family, and that story that you were born into, that that or, that or story of origin, you didn't have any choice about that, did you? You just, boom, there you were. And you had a family. And the same with us. And I love my family, especially my mom. I had two brothers and some extended family. Love my family. But at my house, early in the, those years, they were turbulent and tumultuous at absolute best. Can, anybody relate to that? I mean, you know, you have stuff happen as your kid, and, and, and it happened in my life like a lot of other people's. My mom and dad divorced. I saw him once after that in the fifth grade or the fourth grade, and then did not see him again until I turned 30 and we sort of reunited. Uh, but because of that original, because of that divorce, there was a stepdad early on that, uh, that was my second brother was born, my half-brother Tommy. And, and, and that stepdad was very physically abusive. He was a Marine Corps drill sergeant. He was a rageaholic, and I lived in great fear. I lived, walked on eggshells, there was a physical abuse, but because of, because of that, I ended up having stomach problems and nerve problems and, and, and all this kind of stuff was going on. And so because of all that was happening, I was confused. I didn't understand. I, didn't, I was afraid. I didn't know what was going on. You know what I'm talking about? As a kid, how do you, how do you internalize all that? How do, you, how do you get it all together? So I didn't know what was going on. Well, that led to a divorce because of abuse to me. And then later, by the time between 10 and 12, is when I and my little brother began being sexually abused. And, and, and it was horrific, and, and man, I didn't want any part of it. But the deal was, I'd, I'd never had a normal relationship with a man. I didn't know what it was like. And I believe, because so many people have been abused by dad, that many people reject God because he's called the Heavenly Father. And you reject the figure of the father because of the baggage with the figure that goes with father. Does that make sense? And so people reject God and say, I don't want any part of that. So all this is going on. Now, I'm, you know, I was physically abused. Now sexual abuse is happening. It's, it's, it's horrible. I hated it. So at 10 years old, I get my first joint. Now, what kind of person would give a fourth grader a joint? But... There will always be, Satan will always put people in your path to lead you deeper, darker down the rabbit hole. Does that make sense? He will use anybody that will allow him to be used to take you deeper into the hole. So now I'm, I'm doing drugs. Uh, life is not good. I'm a poor athlete. I'm a poor student. I got nothing going for me. Does anybody, can anybody get that? I mean, that's just where I was. 
The only constant in my life was that my mom was faithfully there. She loved me. She loved my brothers. But, but uh, even, you know, to her shock and horror, we all three end up on drugs. And I got to see, not the bottom, because, you know, used to you say, when they hit bottom, they'll change. Y'all remember that? Well, I don't know that there is a bottom. But I saw deep into that rabbit hole. And let me tell you, it is ugly down there. So by, by, by this time, I'm an IV user. I'm busted. My life is messed up. I'm jacked up. And the question in my mind and other people is, where is God when all this is happening to me? Where is God? You know, we all have a story. The beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. It's the same for all of us. And many of us have asked the same question, where is God in the midst of my pain, my confusion, the internal conflict? Because that was what was going on with me. I didn't know why what had happened to me happened. I didn't know where I was going, but I, I just knew I was messed up. I'd heard the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, what I later learned was that God was there the whole time. He was there the whole time. It was not God's will what happened to me. It was not God's will, the many of the horrible things that have happened to you. That's not what God wanted. But we live in a whacked up, jacked out world, don't we? We just live in a world. And I go back and I begin to re-look at my life through the lens of the scripture after I got, after I met the Lord. I go back at 15. I'm riding a Kawasaki 900. It was one of the early crotch rockets. It was a one of the early really, really fast motorcycles, but they didn't have the technology to handle the speed yet. And so I was told if you drive this motorcycle over 105 miles an hour, you'll have a high-speed shimmy on the front end, and you will crash and burn and die. Well, first off, a 15-year-old should never be on a motorcycle like that. And because the 15-year-olds never listen to anything anybody's ever told him. And so I'm racing down the interstate, racing a blue Camaro that came out of nowhere. I've left Highway uh, 153, and I've got on to, to 75, near, getting near where Eastgate is, heading, I'm almost to the Atlanta, uh, Chattanooga, Nashville split, and I'm at about 125 miles an hour, and I have sufficiently sucked that dude up my tailpipe. Felt pretty good about that. I let off, and as soon as I let off the throttle, the front end started shimming and pop and broke and flipped me into the fast lane at about 115 to 120 miles an hour. This was a very unpleasant experience, as you might imagine. I bounced for a few hundred yards down the, down the, uh, down the interstate, and literally had a full coverage helmet, an army shirt, shorts, and tennis shoes. When I landed, all I had left was part, when I stopped, was part of a full coverage helmet. I literally was naked. My clothes were ripped off. My skin was ripped off. And, tip, and, and by anybody's, anybody's, anybody's estimation, I should have been killed on that interstate. I got up and walked away from it. Now, I'm pretty sure that I've worn out four guardian angels minimum. In fact, when they pass out assignments to guardian angels, whoever gets me says, God, could I, could, I had him before. Could, could I have somebody else? So I don't realize that God's there. And there are many times that God protects us and we never knew God was there.
It's, it's, I'm 18 or 19 on a North Georgia road, riding with my buddy Chris driving and Tommy in the, in the passenger. I'm in the back seat, 69 Grand Trino, running about 100, 110 on those North Georgia roads, those sway back roads, begging the driver to slow down. And about that time, he hits an embankment, flips up, the car lands on his hood, spinning down the road. They, got, they crawl out of the car upside down. I have a broken neck covered in blood in the back seat, and they said, he's dead, leave him alone. I wake up the next day in the hospital, and now, all those years later, I really don't have any physical, uh, any physical issues from where I broke my neck. I'm telling you, I wore out some angels. Are you with me? So my initial question of God, where are you? Man, I actually, he was there. I had guns pulled, knives pulled, gang fights, drug busts, drug deals gone bad, all kind of stuff. I, I remember I walked into a dealer's house where he had already drawn a syringe of cocaine. I did not even know this guy. Walked to the bathroom, took a syringe, and stuck it in my arm and injected that drugs. It could have easily been Drano. I never met this guy, but I was there to buy drugs. God saved me more times than I could ever imagine. Does that make sense? And so when as I look back, I thought, oh my goodness. One of the great miracles that God did is when we moved in with my grandmother in East Lake, in, the, in East Lake off 4th Avenue in Chattanooga, the 4th Avenue exit, when, when we moved in, there was a guy that lived right down the street. Actually, I called him this morning and tried to get him to come to church this week, and his name's Ronnie Ard. His dad drove the church bus. His mother taught Sunday school at East Lake Baptist Church. And whenever I spent the night with Ronnie on Saturday night, there was not a question of would we go to church. The question is, will you go with Ray, his dad, and ride the church bus, or will you go with Viola, his mother, and go to Sunday school? Are you with me? Are we going? Are we going was never a wonder at, at their home. Matter of fact, I told them today, I'm going to talk about you this weekend because I don't know if I would have ever heard the gospel would it not be for you and your mother and your father. I will always be grateful. So, I hear that, hear the gospel. Now, I'm 22 and overdose. Now, you can imagine in all those years, you can just let your mind go to the most horrible thing. That's where it was. This is a G-rated service because some of you brought your kids. I know they're not supposed to be in here, but you did anyway. And so, we can't really talk about all the stuff. Are you, are you with me? But it just, um, just anything you can imagine. So at 22, I have an overdose, ended up in Memorial Hospital, the same place I was saved. Three days later, my head clears, the drugs are gone. I am straight for the first time in I don't know how long. Laying there in the hospital bed by myself, and basically God begins to give me a revelation. Chris, you've ruined your life. It didn't take long, but you've ruined it already. I could see the scars and the the needle marks on my arms. I knew the people that had hurt me. I knew now all the people that I'd hurt because can I tell you something? Hurting people hurt people. And so there I just said, you know, Lord, I remember. I just, just listen, you'd for, I'm just asking you to forgive me of all my crap. If you'll come into my heart and take over my life, you can have it. You can just, you can have it. It's, it's yours. And, and I, again, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know any Bible. I don't, I don't know much. But, but, but the Father's love began to wash over me. Later, I learned that there's a Roman road. It's called the Roman Road of Salvation. Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Have we all sinned? 
There is none righteous, no, not even one. Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. It says in, in Romans 10, 13, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. It says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens, I'll come in and we will dine together. We will fellowship together. Well, in the hospital, I heard his voice. Are you with me? And said, you can have my life. And here's the deal. There are no words in the English language to explain to you how forgiveness felt to me. There is no words in the English language for me to paint a picture to, to unveil my emotions of the guilt that was gone, of the shame that was washed away, of all that I had ever done. God took in one fell swoop and just literally forgave me, and the love of God washed over me like waves of liquid love. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. It was incredible. I was brand new, life had changed. Anybody get this? Man, I was brand new, new purpose, new plan, new passion, new stories. And what I realized is this. Listen, if you can get going, praise the Lord. Come on. And what I, what I realized was this, that is, as I now begin to look back over the chapters of my life, all that stuff was gone. Every page of adultery, of fornication, of drug deals, of, 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 the, of taking the Lord's name in vain, of every, all, every one of the Big Ten Commandments, just everything. I, as, I, as, I pulled, as I rolled back in the book, it was all erased by the blood of Jesus. And every page was white as snow. Mm, 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 mm. Can I tell you something? That happened 35 years ago, and I have never, ever gotten over it. So my question is this. Have you gotten over it, or did you got it to begin with? Because I talk to people say, are, are you a believer? Well, I think so. I, hey, I hope so. Well, when did you meet Jesus? Well, when I was eight. I, I don't know. That was a youth camp when I was 15. No, no, I was 23. So this is the most important thing in the universe, and you're not sure? I believe I'd take care of that if I was you. Does that make sense? See, God put eternity in our hearts. And when I came to Jesus in a hospital bed, for the first time, that this, this father void in my heart, God wrapped me up and he pulled me in because he, he put eternity in our hearts. He put a hole in our heart that only God would fill. I tried shooting drugs and every other thing. Yet nothing would sort of fit. And in that hospital bed, when I said yes to Jesus, boom, the hole was filled for the first time in my life. Man, I was, full, I, I was filled for the very first time. Let me ask you a question. How's your heart? How's your soul? Are you Okay. Are you in relationship with Jesus? Does this make sense? Because if you've never given your heart to Jesus, or you hope so, or you wonder, you're, 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 you're just, you're gambling. It's a Russian roulette. 
Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe somebody shared their story and they brought you this weekend. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened. But if you're ready to take, up, take that step of faith that I took when it was the hospital bed, he's ready to receive you. But to as many as called on him, to them gave he the right to become children of God. Just, just call out. Does this make sense? So we're, I'm going to lead in what we just call just a simple, uh, a simple sinner's prayer, this confessional prayer. It's not magic. But if you're ready to have your sins forgiven, you say, it can't be that easy. He said, we were sheep. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the barnyard. So he made it very simple. So if you're ready for a new start, if you're ready to have your shame and guilt wiped away, if you're ready, then with every head bowed, every eye closed at every campus, pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you out loud. Dear Jesus, I know I've blown it. I know I've sinned, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. I put my faith in you, I will follow you, I'll live for you the rest of my life. Thanks for hearing my prayer, saving my soul, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God a shout of praise, would you? You know, in our stories, go ahead and have a seat. In our stories, we can get pretty shaken. But God doesn't get shaken. So I'm not a hospital bed when I did what many of you just did. I said, Jesus, you can have my life. Can I tell you it was immediate? Transformation was immediate. When you're born, you know it. When you're born again, you, you know that. You don't wonder that. 1 John 5.13 says, says, These things were written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So what happened to me is I had to leave my family and my friends because most of them partied. So I had to leave them so that, because I didn't think I was strong enough because there were seasons I would try to go to church and quit doing drugs, but I couldn't do it on my own. See, old Chris couldn't do it, but new Chris could. Does that make sense? So Sunday, I walked down the aisle of East Lake Baptist Church. That same church that Ray Ard and Viola Ard taught Sunday school and drove that church bus. And I walked in, and it's a traditional Southern Baptist church. Everybody's got suits, dresses, doilies, the whole deal. I walk in, I got a silk shirt unbuttoned all the way to my navel. I got a pool rack on the back with an eight ball right here. I got a pair of big baggy, but those big, huge elephant bell bottoms with stacked shoes. Y'all remember those? And I was cool. I wasn't cool. I was cool. Or so I thought. I didn't look like a person in that church. Can I tell you something? Let me tell you what those people did to that big, tall, skinny, afro-wearing dude. When I walked in, they loved me just like I just like I was. And so, if you're new, can I tell you something? We want to love you just like that. The, the very next Sunday, I joined a small group, Carlton Ratchford, Dolores. They were a couple. They adopted me as one of their sons. I'm putting my feet under their table every Sunday for lunch. And Man, they showed me how to read the Bible, how to have a Christian family. The pastor took me under his wing, John Yarborough. And man, it was incredible. They became my family. I want you to hear this. 
We want to be your family. We want to be your, your Christian family. That's, that, that's what we want to do. And, and so uh, later as I was reflecting on all that, on all that was going on, just on what had happened in my life, because that's a, that's a, that's a, a messed up deal. Does that make sense? So all that went on, I was trying to figure out what was going on. So when I walked down the aisle of East Lake Baptist Church, see, I had walked down the aisle as a kid, like 13 years old, got baptized. Are you with me? I just got wet. So when I walked down the aisle as a 22-year-old, brand new, they said, what are you coming for? Well, I didn't, I didn't know any spiritual words. Are you with me? Well, I'm just supposed to be here. Man, God's doing a work. And they said, he's rededicated his life. Y'all remember that? He's rededicated. I didn't rededicate because I'd never dedicated anything. You got to have dedicated something to redo it. So, so, but that's what I thought. And, And see, it's easy to be confused in your story, isn't it? So two years later, I'm, I'm beginning to realize all that God had done, B.C. and A.D., I'm trying to figure. So on a one Sunday morning, I was, the, I was the student pastor, Reverend Chris Stevens, student pastor at Eastwood Baptist Church. I walked down front, and I said, I need to be baptized. And they said, you're, you're a pastor here. I said, I got that. But see, I put the jersey on before I was a part of the team. See, I can wear the colors, but I'm not, Butch is not putting me in the game. He's not even going to let me on the sidelines. I might not even get in the stadium. So, so see, I was, I, I was baptized as a kid, but I wasn't on the team. Does that make sense? I got on the team at 22 when I said yes to Jesus. So many of you, it's your time to put on the uniform. Matthew 10, Jesus said, He professed me before men, I'll profess you before my Father, which is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. Acts 2.41, Peter's just preached. 3,000 people give their heart to Jesus. And it says that in, in Acts 2.41, And those who received His word were baptized that day, and there were added about 3,000 souls. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, the verse that is quoted are part of it many times when people are, when people are baptized, says this, Therefore, we have been buried with him. See, when you're baptized, you're buried. Does this make sense? Just like they lay you in a coffin, we are buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might be raised to walk in newness of life. See, baptism is an outward expression of an inward confession. That's what it is. And we, we used this verse last week, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 6. P- F- Philip joins this. He's a storyteller. He shares with the, the, the CFO of the country of Ethiopia. He's the treasurer of the country. And he, he shares his faith. And the, the, the eunuch says, look, there's water. What stops me from being baptized? And he said, you may if you believe with all of your heart. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They pulled over. Hey, can I tell you something? Look, we have water. We have water. We have water. 
And so what's, what, what would keep you from saying yes? You can't put the jersey on. See, this is the reason we do baptism classes for kids, fifth grade and under, so that they don't just get wet before they join the team. Are you with me? Now, we do our best to try to make sure anybody that, that, that puts on the jersey is actually on the team. And so if, if, you're, if there's a kid in here who wants to get baptized, they'll have to go through, so sign them up for the baptism class. Does that make sense? Let's don't let them be as confused as I was, but, because again, man, you get into your story and people get confused. And so they, they, people get saved later. See, you go public after salvation. I was, I was baptized as a baby. I doubt that was your choice. That was your parents' choice. See, it's your choice. This makes sense. To go public for Jesus. Jesus went public for you. He was publicly tried, publicly found guilty, publicly crucified, publicly died, and publicly rose from the grave. He's not looking for Jason Bourne. Secret agent. He's looking for people that are not ashamed of the gospel. Does this make sense? Last week, a lady saw me at Pellissippi campus. She said, Pastor, why was Jesus baptized? Because the scripture said to. That's why. Jesus told John, permit it to so that all of righteousness would be fulfilled. Jesus wasn't a sinner. He, he didn't get saved. He, he didn't need that, but he did it because of the public affirmation that he was a part of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? See, it's our first step after salvation. And so many of you gave your heart to Jesus a few minutes ago with me. Some of you are, are going to give your heart to Jesus in a minute. Some of you went to church as a kid, got baptized, and you're back, but you've really fully surrendered your life to Jesus. You've just now been born again, or you've just, it's, a, it's after salvation. Are you with me? See, public profession goes. So what we did is we knew you'd be here, and we got ready for you. So we got shorts, we got shirts, we got towels, ladies, there's more stuff back there. I don't even know what y'all do with all that stuff, but it's back there. Hair product, everything. And so if you're ready to go public, like I did as Reverend Chris Stevens, if you're ready to go public like Jesus did, if you're ready to go public like the 3,000 people, if you're ready to say, hey, man, I am on Jesus' team and I'm going to put on his uniform and I'm going to let all the world know that it's your time. Are you with me? So I'm going to count to three in just a minute. The water's hot at every campus. I'm not sure about Farragut. They burned somebody, and then they froze somebody. So we're working on it at Farragut. Don't be afraid, Farragut. Come on. Come on. Pastor Zach told me it's great. So I can just sit out there. It's in the foyer at this. Just go ahead and just sit in it. So I'm going to count to three. And if you're ready, I don't care if one person or a hundred. I don't care if you're the only one at the campus. God behind bars talking to you men too. I don't care what's going on. But if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I'm ready to, I'm ready to put the uniform on. I'm ready to let the world know that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I know that goes against our culture, current culture. But I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what anybody else does. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. When I say three, I want you to just get up. Head to the back at every campus. People will be waiting and the congregations. Our church is going to go bonkers as you begin to head back. Are you ready? Is anybody ready? Are you ready in the house? Here we go. 
Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place as we get ready? As all hell fights to get people standing up for you, would you, un- would you just unleash the Holy Spirit? Would you unleash it as people go public as we worship? So right now, if you are ready, I'm on Captain 3. Here you go. When I get to 3, get up and head back. Are you ready? Come on, church, help me. One, 